just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your day is going well. We're starting out another work week, and I know how that can suck. Yes, I'm officially retired. I kind of make my own time now, and that is nice. I'll tell you what's nice about being retired. You go to bed when you want to go to bed. You get up when you want to get up. The only problem about being retired is you sometimes forget what fucking day it is. (laughs) I mean, Yesterday, I was thinking, okay, this is Sunday. No, it was Monday. And my wife corrected me and admonished me as well, as she is known to do and perfectly um, legitimately can do that when I do some stupid shit. And trust me, there are many times when I do and say some stupid shit. I try not to do it on TikTok and on the podcast, but I can't promise anything. Shit can come out of my mouth that makes no sense at any given time. When I think about Mondays and Tuesdays, I always hated those days because they were the start of the work week. Going back to the drudgery of work, doing your daily job, no matter what job you had, eventually it became drudgery. Some people might look at what you do. I worked in radio and they said, oh, that must be fun. Well, yeah, it's kind of fun, but after a time, it's like any other job. It's the same shit over and over again. And then if you have the misfortune of working for a dickhead who is your supervisor, manager, or boss, that makes it even more difficult, not to mention all the office politics and the drama from some of the other fucking people you work with in your area. I've had a lot of talks with managers in my time, and I've had very few understand what I'm trying to tell them. But now that I don't have a manager, I'm going to say it again. So if some of you folks are out there and happen to be in management positions, and I suspect you are because uh, we have a lot older folks listening to the podcast, I think sometimes managers don't really grasp what their job is. Some people are taken in and excited about being the boss, being the tough guy, being in control, making people do things, being the tough guy. But that's not really the job of a manager. The true job of a manager, and having owned companies before, I tried to explain that to people who were in management that I employed. I said, your real job here, the real job of a manager is to make the workers as productive as possible. The manager is there to manage the people doing the work, and hopefully those people will work as hard as they can so that you can be more productive and more money can be made. That makes sense, right? But a lot of managers don't get that. They're too busy being the boss, being the tough guy, being in control. It's all about their ego. It's not about the business. It's not about productivity. So when they act like that, these people don't want to work for this dipshit, this dickhead. They don't care. They don't have as much on their plate for what's going on, so they don't have the motivation that a manager or even an owner might have. And having owned a company or two, 
I understood that. I want to do things. I want to push real hard. I want to be motivated. But to suspect or to expect those workers doing the work to be just as motivated as you as, as I am or as you are is unrealistic. They don't have enough return on their dollar to be as motivated as you. So the real job of a manager is to motivate those people. Treat those people well. Do whatever it takes to make them as productive as possible. Now, if that means hugging them every day and patting them on the head, well, that's your fucking job. If it means supporting them, making sure they get good rates of pay, that they get the benefits they're supposed to do, As a manager, you're really kind of working for those employees. You have to keep them happy because they are the ones that are producing the product or the service. And if you aren't supporting them and they aren't producing, well, you fucking failed. You want to blame it on the employees, but it's really you that failed because you're not doing your job. Your job is to make sure they do their job and that they are as productive as possible. Kicking their ass Yelling and screaming at them, treating them horribly, is the exact opposite of what you should do. That's going to give you the exact opposite outcome. And I think a lot of managers don't understand that. I've talked to many managers in my life. I've told them what I just told you. Most of them don't get it because they're all caught up in their ego and their pay and their power. Well, these people don't last very long because they might be successful for a short period of time, but when people catch on to what kind of dickhead they are, they won't work for them anymore. And then the manager will get fired and some other manager will come in and make all the same mistakes. I bring this up because I've been through this many times. I've had supervisors. I've been in a position to be a supervisor, something I've never really wanted to do. I've done it, but I've never really wanted to do it because basically you get a little extra money and a lot more responsibility. And that just does not make sense. That's not financially lucrative enough for me. I would be much better off being on my own, doing what I do, and let managers do what they do and the other employees do what they do. Well, that's a hard position to uh, find, unless, of course, you're retired now and you decide to start your own podcast and have nobody else involved making decisions. Unfortunately, it's not hugely profitable. Fortunately, I'm in a position where it doesn't make make sense. But I think we all want to do something like that in our lives. Know that we're good at something. Know that we have certain skills and talents. If we were just allowed to use it and use your abilities, that you could be successful. But there's always somebody in some company that wants to hinder you. So if you ever have the opportunity to go out and strike out on your own in your own business, it's hard. And it's risky. But it's very, very rewarding especially if you can hold on long enough to make it. Anyway, enough about that. Let's talk about the bullshit that's going on in this world. Now, we've heard that Russia has lost more than 15,000 soldiers in their war with the Ukraine. We've heard about Russia's losses of planes, helicopters, tanks, ships, all kinds of military equipment. And while we have 
heard and seen about the war crimes and the atrocities committed by Russia, we haven't really heard much about the devastating losses by Ukraine in terms of numbers, in terms of civilians. Now, Mariupol Mayor Vadim Boychenko has stated that the Russians' attack on his city has killed more than 10,000 civilians. Imagine that. 10,000 civilians. Russia had been refusing humanitarian convoys into the city, into Maripol, in an attempt to conceal the carnage. Now, with bodies covering the streets, the death toll could surpass as many as 20,000 deaths. I don't know that they've found everybody. Now, we heard talk about this, and apparently this mayor uh, verifies this. Russia had brought in mobile cremation equipment. In addition, Russian forces have taken many bodies to a huge shopping center where there are storage facilities and refrigerators. You see, what they want to do, they want to create this carnage, but they don't want video of it so the world can see the kind of war crimes and the atrocities that they have committed. They're trying to cover it up while doing it uh, everywhere they go. Then you have to consider this part of it. You have the ten or 20,000 people that are dead, but then you have 120,000 people of the remaining people, the live people in Maripol, in dire need of food, water, warmth, and communications. They're starving, they're thirsty, and they're freezing, and they can't talk to anybody. There's nobody to call for help. The atrocities here of people dying is one thing, but the state that they put the citizens of Maripol in are absolutely abhorrent. We see and hear the news reports. We have even seen the atrocities in some of the videos. But we don't truly know the tragedy or the suffering. I mean, we tend to get desensitized to these things. We did this in the Vietnam War, too. Now, I was a little kid, but you'd turn on the TV and there'd be a body count there. You'd see the war, the fighting, and the death, and the destruction. And after you see it for months or years, you become desensitized to it. You see the death count, the body count one night, and you say, oh, this many people died. But we sitting in America here can't really realize the trauma and the tragedy that is going on in Ukraine. I mean, we've got death and destruction all throughout the country, and there's more coming. Now, Russia didn't do too well with Kiev and some of the other bigger cities, so they backed off of that. They're now focusing in on eastern Ukraine and southern Ukraine. They're going to go after the Donbass area and the southern area of Ukraine. I guess their, their idea is that they couldn't take over Ukraine fully So they'd focus into a smaller area, so hopefully they can take that over and then claim a win. I mean, that's what this is all about to Vladimir Putin. It's about a win. Unfortunately, as they do what they do, there is nothing but death and destruction left behind. And while it's going on, Russia is trying to cover it up. 
with their portable uh, cremation units, with storing people in refrigeration and shopping centers. These people know exactly what they're doing. These aren't rogue groups of Russians committing these atrocities. This is part of their strategy. They go in, they try to take over a city, and they particularly target civilians in order to instill fear into them. You see, if Russia wants to take over Ukraine, he, they've got to get the Russian citizenry to buy into it. I mean, you can take over a government, but if all the citizens of the country say, fuck you, we don't want to do anything, you can never really get anywhere. Vladimir Putin thought that when he rolled into Ukraine, the people would love him for liberating them from the Nazis or whatever the fuck he's saying is going on there. But he didn't find that. There were no flowers in the streets. These people took up arms and started fighting back. So he was frustrated and he was mad. He can't do what he was hoping to do by getting the citizens of Ukraine to side with him. And then he'd take over Ukraine and then he'd rule their lives. Well, Ukrainians aren't stupid people and they aren't weak people. They fight back and they fought valiantly so far in this war. Russia has not been able to compete, complete the things they want to complete. They haven't taken the capital. They don't have air superiority. They're getting uh, pushed back at this very moment. So they're in kind of a desperate situation. Their economy is falling apart. They can't win, but Vladimir Putin refuses to pull back until he can claim some kind of win. So he's looking at the Donbass area in eastern Ukraine as kind of a consolation prize. And then he'll do what Donald Trump and the Republicans do, take some little tiny thing, explode it into this big, massive win for them so they can go back with their head held high and look like the conquering heroes. Well, I don't know that they can actually get that win. Yes, it's a smaller area. It'll be easier for the Russian military because they won't need as many resources um, and they can concentrate their troops in that one area. But the way it's going, we are seeing a lot of, uh, a lot of weaponry, a lot of ammunition, a lot of resources and money coming into Ukraine. And Ukraine has already done a hell of a job by holding them off. I'm only fearful about what if Ukraine does hold off Russia in the Donbass region and in southern Ukraine. This is going to put Vladimir Putin in a desperate situation. He can't walk out of there without a win. And he's not getting a win if they hold him off. Does that mean he resorts to chemical weapons or nuclear weapons? I don't know. But the important thing to remember is Vladimir Putin isn't going to give up. He isn't going to back down and say, oh, my bad. He's going to keep going harder and harder until he wins, because that's all he understands. He's a bully. And bullies can't understand anything other than their opponents folding up and giving in. But for the, as much as he's tried, Ukraine refuses to give in. And this is frustrating Vladimir Putin. 
Now, this week, you can expect to see things ramping up. In fact, I think they already are ramping up in eastern Ukraine. There's going to be more attacks. There's going to be more atrocities. We sit here in America watching it and go, oh, that's terrible. All the NATO countries sit on the borders and go, oh, my God, this is terrible. But what these people are doing is so atrocious, is war crimes. How long can we sit on the sidelines and do nothing and just watch them rape, torture, and murder innocent civilians? It's a tough situation, no doubt. And I understand why uh, Joe Biden and the NATO countries are holding back. But there's got to come a point where we've got to put a stop to this. Either somebody in Russia or somebody amongst the NATO uh, groups puts a stop to this. We can't just sit and watch this happen. Here's another interesting story regarding the insurrection on January 6th, 2021. A former Virginia police officer who... uh, stormed the U.S. Capitol on January 6th, has been found guilty on all charges against him. A Washington, D.C. jury uh, found Thomas Robertson, a former Virginia police sergeant, guilty of all six charges he faced for his actions around the insurrection on January 6th. People keep saying, what's going to happen? When is something going to happen with the insurrectionist? Well, they've arrested 750 of these people. And they're going through this slowly but surely. And some of the ones that came early were lighter crimes, and they didn't get much, if any, jail time. But now we're getting to the point with some serious crimes. And this gentleman did cause some serious crimes. Now, he's yet to be sentenced. We don't know what his sentence is going to be, and we don't even have a date when that sentencing is coming down. A D.C. Metropolitan Police officer that testified said that Robertson was carrying a stick and hit him and another officer on January 6th. And there is video to back this up. These officers claimed that Robertson hit him with a stick as he was trying to charge the Capitol. And there is video showing Robertson doing just that. The defendant, about 30 days earlier, earlier than January 6th, online, was calling for opened-armed rebellion. I mean, this is, this is fucking stupid. You go online, you post that you want to cause an insurrection, then you go cause an insurrection, and you try to defend that. Well, clearly he couldn't. Yeah, this Trumplefuck is a real fucking doozy. Turns out he was one of the more enthusiastic insurrectionists, too. He was singing and chanting in the Capitol. He said, I'm going to stop Congress from doing this vote. <laughs> He's got these quotes. He's got these posts. He's got fucking video. This guy was clearly an insurrectionist, and I don't know if he put up much of a defense, but he wasn't going to win this one. In fact, he was charged with six felonies. Robertson has been awaiting his trial in jail since July. So this idiot's been in jail since July, mainly because when they arrested him, they found a rifle 
and bomb-making materials in his home. They also learned that he purchased another 37 guns online, presumably to outfit some of his other fellow insurrectionists. Now, this is what Republicans call a patriot. This is what normal people call a domestic terrorist. It's very funny watching Republicans trying to say, oh, January 6th was no big deal. Let's forget about it. Let's talk about Hillary's emails. Or better yet, let's talk about Hunter Biden's laptop. I've got a story about that later. You'll find that interesting. But their only defense to all these crimes and corruption that the Republicans have committed is to divert, distract, because they really have no way to defend the things they've done. What this gentleman did is clearly treason, insurrection. What do they call it? Uh, Conspiracy. He's committed all those things, and it's all in evidence. This guy's going to go to jail for a while. I don't know how long exactly, but it won't be two years. He's going to be in jail for some time. And keep in mind, he's already been in jail since fucking July. This guy's going to spend a better part of his life in prison because he's an idiot. Because he listened to Donald Trump and all the trump around him saying that you're going to be a hero if you go toward the Capitol. And you try to overturn this election. And this idiot, who knows what he did before this, doesn't matter because that's all gone now. But this guy got duped. He got duped by a bunch of people. And I have to wonder, when are the people in this country that have been following Donald Trump and the Trumplicans and the, the administration and the Republicans in general, when are they going to realize that they have been duped. Every day, Donald Trump is trying to grift money from them, and every day they send him money, but they get nothing in return. What's it going to take for them to realize, fuck, I've been duped? It's going to be a sad day for these people when all is exposed and people are starting to go to jail. You know, we talk about Donald Trump going to jail. Don't know if that's going to happen. I doubt he'll go to jail, but he will be ruined. But everybody around him is at risk for going to jail. And when that happens, these people who have followed them blindly are going to have to have a reality check. Well, this is what I believe, but look what's happening. All these people are going to jail. Even some of these people who get sucked into it, like Robertson here, who went in and tried to attack the U.S. Capitol, thinking he's a hero, thinking he's a... uh, political patriot but now what's happening he's going to jail he's going to jail for a long time he looks like an absolute fucking idiot and he deserves it this is the problem we've got a vast amount of people that have followed donald trump and they are just dupes now we have another group of people like the politicians and some of the people in the administration and the republican party in general They knew better. They knew what was going on was wrong, but they felt as though that if they followed Donald Trump, it would get them votes or make them popular. So they were willing to do what is wrong, support treason, corruption, criminality for their own benefit. 
They made a bet. They gambled. They took a risk. And they are going to pay for those risks because they aren't going to pay off. They thought if they could back up Donald Trump, they'd get him back in office somehow. Now, most of us that are normal knew that was never going to happen, but somehow in their minds they believed it would. So they got on board and fought like hell. But between now and November and 2024, for that matter, a lot's coming out. These people will be exposed for what they are, the criminals, the corrupt individuals. And these people are going to have to answer to that. And they're going to ask for forgiveness. They're going to try to separate themselves from Donald Trump and all the Republicans and all that stuff. And I'm telling you, I don't know about you, but I won't allow it. If you've been connected and supported Donald Trump and the Republicans for all the things they've done up to now, if you have done that, I don't care if you apologize. I don't care if you get on your knees and beg for forgiveness. The damage you did from this country, for this country, or to this country, is unforgivable. There is no redemption from that. You did what you did. You need to pay the price, whether it be cancel culture or jail. You fucking people are done. There is no forgiveness with something like this. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. All right, let's talk a little more about Russia. This is more about their financial situation. And I'll be honest with you, they're in fucking trouble, big trouble. The credit ratings agency, Standard & Poor's, or S&P, has downgraded its assessment of Russia's ability to repay foreign debt. Now, this is signaling the likelihood that Russia is headed for financial default. Russia's finance ministry said that it tried to make a $649 million payment toward two bonds to an unnamed U.S. bank. But the sanctions prevented the payment from being accepted. So they tried to pay it with rubles, which, of course, we know isn't worth shit. And using rubles could set off a wave of defaults, not just one, multiple defaults. Now, Russia hasn't defaulted on foreign debt since the Bolshevik Revolution in 1917. That is, what, 105 years ago. Even in the demise of the Soviet Union in the 1990s, Russia was still able to pay its debt. I mean, they were crushed at that point, but they still paid their debt. The fact that they're looking at a default is unprecedented in the last 100 years. Now, if Russia misses a payment, there is typically a 30-day grace period. Most of these debts are in U.S. dollars, so attempting to pay in rubles doesn't really help. If they can't make payments, then the S&P will put them in default. If they're going into default, any remaining foreign investors, not just the people they defaulted on, people that are still currently invested in Russia, well, they're going to bolt. They're going to blow town. Uh, This will further isolate and weaken Russia and Russia's economy. So this potential default is a big deal. They've already got financial problems with the sanctions. People have lost tons of money. Property has been seized. The ruble isn't worth shit. And when they go into default, 
it's going to make it all worse. It's going to further isolate them. And anybody who's invested in them is going to blow town because this is a bad gamble. This would be comparable to what happened in Argentina in 2020. The main difference of this was that between Russia and Argentina is that Argentinian investors saw this coming. They had some notice. They could make some adjustments. They could do some things to protect themselves. But with Russia in this situation, this all occurred so quickly in a few months that all the investors were blindsided. So they're jumping ship as fast as they fucking can. And the more money that gets pulled out of Russia, the bigger trouble Russia is in. It's, it's kind of a scary situation for the people in Russia. And what's so ironic is that Vladimir Putin puts on this face like, I don't care, we're just going to take over Ukraine. And this is where I think a lot of people are getting to the point thinking, this fucker's crazy. He's fiddling while Rome burns to take a piece from Julius Caesar. He doesn't care about the destruction or the damage he's creating in his own country. All he wants to do is go into Ukraine and win, no matter what it costs. Well, that's easy for him because he's got a lot of money stocked away in different places. He's got his own bunker someplace. But he's not thinking about the citizens of the country, the military or the government, the people that are going to have to clean up this mess and deal with the ramifications of what he's doing. I've said all along, the only way we can get things going back to normal is if they get Vladimir Putin out of there. Now, I know many NATO countries and America would like somebody to send in a SEAL Team 6 or something like that and just take the fucker out. And that's, I don't even know if that's feasible. I'm sure he's pretty well guarded at this point. I don't even think that's a reasonable um, option because God knows what that will create should that happen. So it's really going to have to come from uh, inside Russia, the citizens, the army, the military, the uh, government. They're going to have to be tired and so broken from all the punishment they're receiving in their country that they have no other choice but to get Vladimir Putin out of there. But what's their situation? Is it reasonable to think they could even do that? I don't know. Again, Vladimir Putin's pretty smart. He knows exactly what he has to protect himself from and who he has to protect himself from. So I'm sure he's taking those measures. He's still in power. He's still a powerful guy. So it's not going to be that easy to get to them. I don't even know if Russia and uh, the officials have the wherewithal to do something like this. So essentially, Russia, what Russia is doing is just running itself into the ground. Vladimir Putin is destroying his own country in order to look like the tough guy, in order to not have to back down and claim a failure. He has to get the win. And apparently, you know, and through negotiations with uh, Ukraine, Zelensky and Vladimir Putin can't see eye to eye. There is no middle ground there, so... I doubt they're going to be able to come to an agreement. And as of late, it doesn't appear as though Vladimir Putin even wants to negotiate a peace treaty. 
Vladimir Putin's got some problems. When this Ukrainian war is over, the rest of the world is going to come down on him. They're going to want to try him for war crimes. Now, whether they'll be able to pull that off or not, I, I, you know, I don't fucking know. I mean, what do you do? You send a cop over and grab Vladimir Putin and bring him over to The Hague? I don't, I don't think it works that way. I'm not sure how that's going to be unless Russia themselves somehow grabs Vladimir Putin and hands him over. That's the only way it's going to occur, but we don't know if Russia is actually going to do anything or can do anything to stop Vladimir Putin and get him out of power. But that's what it's going to take. Now, next up, uh, let's talk about the Supreme Court. Oh, the Supreme Court's got some fucking problems, and we know that. The Supreme Court has been very worried about the court appearing to be partisan. This would diminish the credibility of the Supreme Court, and it does. The Supreme Court's supposed to be above it all. They're supposed to be unbiased, nonpartisan, and only go by rule of law. But it's a little hard not to consider that they are partisan when a sitting Supreme Court justice is married to a radical right-wing conspiracy theorist insurrectionist fucking nutcase. Talking about Clarence Thomas and Ginny Thomas. With a revelation out there, you'd think Justice Clarence Thomas would be treading a little lightly, not trying to cause too much trouble. Nope, this arrogant fuck just did something no Supreme Court justice in history has ever done. <laughs> They're worried about appearing partisan, but they participate in partisan groups, radical right Republican groups. Clarence Thomas took a photo op, a picture with a candidate for the U.S. Senate. And not just any candidate, but radical right, wife-beating, QAnon-loving Herschel Walker from Georgia. Now, this guy, who has the distinction of being the lyingest dumbfuck in the group of that is replete with dumb fucks. He's the dumbest and the lyingest amongst them. Now, you remember Herschel Walker came out and said, well, I, <laughs> I was Phi Beta Kappa. I got a doctorate from Georgia. I was a valedictorian in his high school. Well, he barely got through high school. If not for football, he wouldn't have gotten through high school. He didn't even graduate from Georgia. But he feels free to just lie about this shit as if nobody can check it. And, of course, they did, and they knew that uh, he didn't. I mean, fuck, he left Georgia to play pro football in the USFL before he graduated. So unless he went back to college after he got out of football, he didn't graduate. And this guy... Not the brightest character in the world. Now, I have a kind of a connection to Herschel Walker because I live in Minnesota. And Herschel Walker was traded to uh, the Vikings. And we gave up the fucking world and destroyed the team by getting it. And when he came here, he wasn't exactly personable. Nobody really liked him. And he wasn't nearly as talented or productive as we'd expected. He was kind of a kind of a bust as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, he had some good games. He had some athletic ability. But he's such a fucking nutcase. What are you going to do? 
And the thing about it is, it's just not Clarence Thomas. There's Amy Coney Barrett and Brett Kavanaugh cavorting with and supporting radical right groups, um, not to mention allowing Texas to continue with their anti-abortion laws, even though it's settled law, Roe v. Wade, and it's contradictions to the Constitution. I've said this a long time. I've said, how do the Republicans ever expect to get re-elected when you're literally trying to take the constitutional rights away from 50, 51% of this country? It makes no sense. There's talk about the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade. Well, I got to tell you, if you're a Republican, you better not do it before November Because if you do, you're going to fucking get decimated in the elections. The most serious thing, the most dangerous thing that can happen in this country is if our government takes away a constitutional right. And that means anything. That means the Second Amendment. Take away guns and give nobody guns. What we need to do is have somebody with some intelligence interpret the Second Amendment properly because they don't. They make it say whatever they want it to say to further their agenda. I don't think guns should be taken away from people. I think people should have guns, but there should be some restrictions. There should be some limitations. There should be some licensing. (coughs) I mean, how is that different from fucking driving? They always told me when I started driving, now keep in mind, you're, you're, you're dealing with a vehicle that's very dangerous that could kill people. That's why you need six weeks of training, behind-the-wheel training. This is why you need to get a permit, and then you need to get a license. And then you need to re-up that license every four years. Because driving a car can be dangerous. Yet with guns, which is even more dangerous... You can just walk in and grab a gun, get it online, get it in a gun show, and just walk out with it. It isn't unreasonable to expect that we have some restrictions, some registration, some training involved before you're allowed to carry a gun. The Republicans, the NRA, and all these fucks would have you think otherwise, but common sense tells you something else. Now, some people say... This could destroy the credibility of our Supreme Court, the Amy Coney Barretts, uh, the Brett Kavanaugh's, or certainly Clarence Thomas. They're worried that it might destroy the credibility of the Supreme Court. Well, I'm here to tell you right now, the destruction of the Supreme Court has already happened by virtue of the shit that's going on, by virtue of having a Supreme Court justice married to somebody who wants to overthrow our country. It's too late to save it from being destructed, destroyed. It's already destroyed. The only question now is ever if we can ever, um, if we can ever bring it back to where it was. Get the credibility back. Because frankly, at this point, the uh, Supreme Court is in a lot of trouble. They aren't in good conditions. You can't trust them because they are partisan. As much as they don't want you to believe that, they are in fact partisan. And if they are partisan, then the Supreme Court is no longer 
as we once knew it. Now it isn't about saving the Supreme Court. It's trying to bring the Supreme Court back to where it's supposed to be, because if it doesn't have credibility or legitimacy, there's really no point. And every one of those justices on that court know this. They fucking know this. They know if they damage the court too badly, then what they do is inconsequential, that nobody will respect them. Now, I'm sure there's most of the justices on the Supreme Court that understand this and are fighting against it. But there are some of these Republicans that are so arrogant and so bought into conspiracy theories, they don't know any better. They're too fucking stupid. They're tainted. And they're willing to sacrifice the credibility of the court for their own agenda. Not because they're too stupid to understand what could happen and destroy the, uh, the, the court, it's because they're so tied into these lies and these conspiracy theories, they in their minds think they're right. They think they're doing the right thing, much like the insurrectionists when they attacked the U.S. Capitol. That is a dangerous situation in our Supreme Court, and it's already been destroyed. Now, people have asked me to talk about this next topic, and it's worth talking about it because it's very troubling. Six months after leaving the White House, Jared Kushner secured a $2 billion investment that he would manage for Saudi Arabia's crown prince. $2 billion. Now, what's interesting about this is that given that Jared Kushner has only ever worked for his parents And, of course, his father-in-law, Donald Trump. He doesn't exactly have any experience managing that kind of money. As important as he tries to look and sound, in spite of the fact that he's tied to Donald Trump and his parents, who have a lot of money, keep in mind his dad did go to jail for some unethical shit. So don't be surprised if Jared Kushner ends up in the same position. But for whatever reason... The Saudi crown prince said, here's $2 billion. I want you to manage it. And he's going to make probably 25 to $30 million a year for that job. Now, here's another interesting point. The Saudi Arabian Finance Committee thought this was a bad idea, voted against it. No, don't give Jared Kushner $2 billion. Fuck that. Well, the crown prince said... Too fucking bad. We're doing it anyway. And, of course, we're dealing with a monarchy, and the crown prince says we're doing it. Well, we're fucking doing it. Now, this is truly strange and clearly has to be more to the story. It's got to be more to the story. We know that Donald Trump was very supportive of uh, the crown prince in Saudi Arabia, even after the crown prince was found to have killed, to have murdered an American reporter. Donald Trump refused to denounce them, in fact, supported them. We know that Donald Trump visited Saudi Arabia at least once. Remember the video of him with the swords and all this stuff and him dancing around like a big fucking goof? We've also heard a recent story that Donald Trump is trying to convince Saudi Arabia to uh, sponsor some golf events. We know that Donald Trump is in thick with Saudi Arabia. There's no question about that. 
You don't think Donnie, diaper Donnie, is getting a cut out of the steal that Jared Kushner's getting. You don't think so, do you? Maybe a little quid pro quo. You know, we may not even know what the fuck he's given up to Saudi Arabia as yet. We know he supported them. We know he supported the crown prince after murdering an American reporter. But what else did Donald Trump do? I mean, he was over there. I'm sure there is no notes or video or audio of the meetings he had with the crown prince because that was how Donald Trump did things. He did everything in secret. He didn't do that for any other reason than it was probably criminal. So Jared Kushner, who knows nothing about managing $2 billion, is getting $2 billion from the crown prince of Saudi Arabia to manage, in spite of the fact his own commission has said, yeah, that's not a good idea. He's doing it anyway. And we know that Donald Trump has close ties with Saudi Arabia with all the things he's involved in. This is a very fishy situation. You want to talk about Hunter Biden in Ukraine? Well, fuck, this is far worse, even if Hunter Biden did anything in Ukraine. We're going to talk about that laptop here in a moment. But this is yet another area that has to be looked into. Jared Kushner getting control of $2 billion when he has no business managing it. And Donald Trump being so supportive of Saudi Arabia and the crown prince in spite of the fact that they're criminal, they're corrupt, and they're fucking murderers. Those are some of Donald Trump's best buddies. The crown prince of Saudi Arabia, Vladimir Putin, Kim Jong-un. Yeah, he loves all those fucking criminals. Why? Because he's one of them. Let's talk about the... uh, Hunter Biden laptop. We'll wrap it up with this. So do you remember a guy by the name of John Paul Mac Isaac? You probably don't. He is a Trump supporter, and he's a computer repair shop owner who turned over Hunter Biden's alleged laptop to the FBI. Now, we don't even know if it is Hunter Biden's laptop, but it could be. It could be. It was left at the repair shop. It was abandoned. And after it was abandoned for a certain amount of time, the guy that owned the repair shop became the owner of the laptop. And once he did that, he started looking into it. He looked into the drive. He looked very deep into the drive, and he was investigating the drive. He saw pretty much everything that was on that drive. He turned it over to the FBI. This is true, but not because he saw anything criminal, but because he was concerned about national security. Joe Biden's the president, or going to be the president, was the vice president. He may have Hunter Biden's laptop, and he thought there might be some national security issues in it. So that's why He turned it over to the FBI, not because he saw child porn or any of this other bullshit. He was just trying to do the right thing. Now, one thing you have to understand about Hunter Biden, 
There's a lot of bad things being said about Hunter Biden, but let's let's be honest. Hunter Biden was a drug addict. He was a fuck up. He probably did some stupid stuff. And this is if this is his laptop, he may have dropped it off at this repair shop and then for fucking got about it and just left it there and abandoned it not thinking much of it or not thinking of it at all because his mind was so scrambled on drugs. Now, I am a Joe Biden fan, certainly more so than Donald Trump, and I don't give a shit about Hunter Biden because he's not in the government. He's not in elected office. He has no bearing on his dad's administration. But he was a bit of a fuck-up. Now, this gentleman, Mac Isaac, he did say he saw a lot of photos on the drive. But he did not see some of the photos that have been reported. And he got kind of upset about that. He said over the past year, there have been a lot of misinformation or disinformation about what was on the laptop. We've heard it all. Oh, there's there's child porn. There's this. There's money going to barista or whatever the fuck it is. This gentleman who owned the laptop for a time, maybe still owns the laptop, went through it completely. He says he saw none of those things. He had and, and, and he was concerned about all this misinformation and these lies being told about what was on the drive. He added, and that is a major concern of mine because I fought tooth and nail to protect the integrity of this drive. So once again, what we have here is Trumplefox taking a story and ginning it up, lying about it, with the intent of furthering their agenda, truth be damned. And the ironic thing is, that's all they have. That's all they have on Joe Biden. No, he's a pedophile because this picture shows him kissing his grandson. Fuck you. They take little things that mean nothing, and they try to exploit it, and they try to expound on it. They lie about it. They hype it up and say, oh, this is proof. This is the absolute proof. And I find it very funny, because since Joe Biden has taken office, whether it be Mike Lindell, the Trump will fucks at the rallies, Donald Trump himself, administration people, they'd always say, you just wait, it's coming, it's coming, and when it is, when it does come down, you'll be sorry, you won't be able to explain it. But not once, and not one situation has any of those things they promised come to light. They have failed on every level for everything they promised or accused Joe Biden or Hunter Biden, for that matter. Now, is there some fucked up stuff about there? Maybe he did make a little more money than he should have. I don't know. But this guy who owned the laptop said everything he's hearing is bullshit. And he's upset about it because he was trying to be honest and try to maintain the integrity of the drive. And now he can't do that. He turns it over to the FBI, but it's been popped around all over the place. Who knows who's taken this laptop and put other shit on it just to make Hunter Biden look guilty or to uh, bake true these claims that people are making. The chain of custody is problematic here. And if you don't have a good chain of custody, it ain't evidence. It's not acceptable as evidence. So you see, the, the Trumplefox may have fucked themselves on this deal. He 
even if there is something bad on Hunter Biden's laptop, it may not be admissible because they fucked around with this too much. They lied about it. And maybe they tried to insert stuff into this uh, computer. And the fact of the matter is that can all be identified by anybody with any IT ability. They can see when something was put on the laptop. And it's going to be hard to claim Hunter Biden is guilty of something on the laptop when he didn't even have the laptop when it was put on. It's a perfect example of Trump LaFox fucking themselves once again. And all they do, the problem with it is, they make all this noise and certain groups of people believe the bullshit, even though there are no facts, there is no evidence. They just believe it because they want to believe it. This is the one thing the Democrats have to do. They have to be able to shut down the lies, the bullshit, and the rhetoric. Because there's too many people that don't look into it and see what's really going on. And they just believe what they hear. And this can account for Joe Biden having poor poll numbers or whatever the fuck it is. Because people aren't smart or motivated enough to understand what's really going on. They just hear the clickbait that the news puts out or that the Republican Party puts out. So this whole thing about the Hunter Biden laptop. As I suspected, it's all a bunch of bullshit. All the things they claim that are on this laptop are not true. And how do I know this? Because the motherfucker that owned it told us it's not true. And that he's upset that they're lying, giving misinformation and disinformation. I'm done. I understand. I don't care what's on Hunter Biden's laptop at this point. And clearly, there is nothing that the Republicans are accusing of him, him of on the fucking laptop. All right, we're going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for spending time with me, taking time out of your life to listen to me. That is an absolute honor. Now, if you have questions, comments, or complaints, please send me an email at rationalboomer at gmail.com or go to anchor.fm, find the Rational Boomer podcast, and leave a voicemail. You have a great day. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.